nickel in his pocket Time on both his hands Little Eddie Hawkins Lost in Candyland Ten years in the slammer Eddie's done his time On the street Ain't it sweet To pull the perfect crime Everybody Defense is a good offense. Or is it the other way around? Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever amazing, ever spectacular Spider Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to Secret Defenders, where I task my guests to defend their favorite movies that are underrated, infamous, or obscure. And I have a very special guest today, all the way from the United States of America. It is Tony Farina, and he is here to talk about a very divisive film, 1991's Bruce Willis Vanity Project, Hudson Hawk. Welcome to the show, Tony. How are you? I would love to swing on a star. I am very excited. Thanks, Dan. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on what is now the first of the second century of Spider-Dan. So That's I appreciate right. being here at the beginning of the second century. This is this is the 2001 podcast odyssey this is yours wow you are, i mean that's a it can only get better can, I mean, that's the thing when you start whoa whoa, low, whoa 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 who's to say this isn't already the greatest one already i mean it could be just based on could that. Be down, yeah. it could be downhill from here you know I've got i mean Sam, it might be i've got samurai month next month you're the last episode before samurai month whoa. Um, well that's going to be good i'm really really excited about samurai month so, so you've been teasing it for a while man i have i have i'm so excited <laughs> i can't wait and then we've got Yakuza month later as well. Um, it's going to be fan fantastic. So yes, we are here to talk about Hudson Hawk. It's a unique film, to say the least. I think uh, is I think that's a fair thing to say. Uh, I I want to know because people come on and they this is this is often not often but sometimes it is a challenge to defend why you love a film. Oh, much. oh no, this will not no? be hard for me. No, you you got you're ready. You're prepared. I'm ready. I'm actually gonna look up. I just gonna look up one thing about a date. Okay, I have the date okay. right. I just I didn't All write right. down a date. I'm ready to go. It's okay. Well, I'm gonna give you the platform. I hope you're ready, and I want you I'm to ready. tell us uh, tell us a little bit about the plot and what it's about, and then I want to tell you. I want you to tell us why you love it so much and why it deserves this secret defense. 
Um, well, and that's the thing. This has never been a secret for me. Like, I love this movie, like openly love it. So the, the story behind Hudson Hawk is simple, you know, in that there's involving a gold machine and traveling around the world and the CIA and the Vatican. It's really a simple, straightforward boy meets girl story. You know, the <laughs> idea is there's there's a um, it starts out and uh, Leonardo da Vinci has um, is in this movie. Everybody not it's an actor. It's not like lost Footage. Like he didn't also invent a camera and film himself. And then Bruce Willis somehow got the thing. Gorilla yeah, style. Is, is, they filmed the old gorilla style. Right. That's right. So, um, so yeah. So Da Vinci has created a machine. He really, what he wants to do is create bronze, but he accidentally creates gold and, and realizes um, that's bad. And so the last thing you see is Da Vinci is he takes his little gold machine apart, these little three crystals, and then that's it. And they, you know, Chekhov's things are there. Chekhov's helicopter and horse and and the codex. And so then we cut forward to 500 years later. We meet Eddie Hudson Hawk is is the name of the is what he goes by, and he's getting out of Sing Sing and he's the world's greatest cat burglar. And um, he meets his best friend Danny Aiello, Tommy Five Tone, and you find out that everybody is in on some big conspiracy now that he's being let out of jail, including his parole officer, to get him to steal these three devices we've seen at the beginning and mayhem and silliness and musical numbers ensue. That's that's summed up pretty well, I think. I, I love you saying it's, it's a simple story. I was like, simple story. It's real simple. simple. <laughs> the 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 film, the the line for me. Did I miss anything? Did, Did I, I miss, miss anything? anything? Oh, Danny yellow. I had to. R.I.P. R.I.P. bastard. I used to. Oh, I, lo- I love him in Leon and everything else he's in. I love Danny Aiello. And he is one of the best things easily about this film. <laughs> Did I miss anything? I did quite a bit. Because <laughs> this, this film moves at a breakneck speed. Yeah, 94 minutes. No messing around. And that's great. Like I, I appreciate that you know you get a story and you can tell it in ninety minutes. Amazing. <laughs> However, the scenes also smash into each other. There's no beautiful transition. It's like we need we need the plot to move along. We need to get Hudson Hawk to Italy. What do we do? We drug him. We knock him out. <laughs> like it's just one of those. Yeah. Uh, also, the film has more twi- more twists in it than the Mission Impossible franchise in full. I true think, within 90 minutes yeah that first 10 minutes is the da vinci setup and that's real slow so it's like you're going into the movie and you're like wait the first 10 minutes is this and you're looking at your timer and you're like what is going to happen and they were like no no don't worry we're just and again that's the first twist is that we're setting you up to think it's some weird thing you're like what is this what am i watching i believe you said on twitter i'm so confused as you were live tweeting this movie yeah. which is totally fair and then um so yeah it starts out slow and then you're right once it picks up it never ends and the jokes are fast and furious they don't all land but they are there yeah um i agree it is edited together like you said, smash cut scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have theories for why all this happened. So I'm ready to unveil however you want oh, it okay. to. But I would just like to say before we get full mm. going. So of course. So my cousin, I have a cousin, he's called Jim is his name. But when I was a little kid, I couldn't say Jim. So I called him Noom, like the word Noom, N-U-M-E, not even a sound. So still to this day, we're adult men. And that is still what I call him. So whenever I, he's my cousin Noom. This was something that was that was important to us, this movie. Like we were both adults, but like I graduated from high school in 91. And so the summer, I only spent one summer at home after I graduated from high school. I went to college um, and then I came back, you know, like one summer after. So the summer of my high school graduation and the next summer, I was back in my hometown and he was around too. 
And we watched the shit out of this movie, like all the time. It was so, we would like shorthand, just say random lines, Captain Bob steering wheel, whatever, just say whatever. And it would be hysterical. We would fall on the ground laughing. So like this movie has a soft spot for me because it's like something my cousin and I both love very much. But also we love it because it hits us exactly where we want it. It hits our sense of humor. Mm. We've never really sat and had a conversation about why we loved it. It's just like, yeah, of course, that's what we love that. That's our thing. But upon this rewatch, I have a whole theory of what it really is and why he and I secretly like subconsciously love it. So I'm ready to unveil that to the world here on Secret Boars. I would love you. Again, I'll give you that platform. You unveil this deep, your own little Da Vinci code of why you like this film. You ready? I am. First of all, it's a satire, clear, right? Would you agree it's a satire? It doesn't yeah, always work, but it's clear satire. It's a clear spoof, absurdist comedy, absolutely. So what is, let, let's look at the layers, what's in there. First of all, it's clearly, those slam cuts, it's clearly Looney Tunes, right? The literally Looney Tunes, not like that's Looney Tunes, but like Bugs Bunny, crazy Looney Tunes, right? There's a lot of that in here where they jump off a building and then he lands on a chair, right? He jumps off a, a yeah, truck that, and he lands in a chair. That's the first. That's the first one. Yeah, you don't see them land. So they're jumping out of the building. They're escaping the uh, the the burglary, and yeah. yeah, they're falling off the building. And then he falls. It almost looks like he falls into the living room into a chair, which is obviously yeah. a different location. So it's like correct. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, very much, very much like. And he's almost like, "Whoa, like I'm here. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in this scene. Oh yeah, right." Yes. And so, but then we learn that there's a backstory that Tommy's not with him. And that's when Tommy does another one of his, hey, did I miss anything? Moments. And um, so there's that. There's a running gag. Obviously, everybody loves a good running gag. The coffee gag, the cappuccino yeah. gag works really well. So so those are things that, that we love. But, but also, let's go back even further in time to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just hang on. Every summer, the, the, this, every Tuesday, for the entire summer that Raiders of the Lost Ark was at 81, I saw that movie in the theater every Tuesday for 12 weeks. Okay. My cousin, my my, my aunt, his mother would take my, he and I and our two sisters, she would watch us on Tuesdays while everybody, all the other parents were at work and she had Tuesdays off. So we hung out with her and she took us to the dollar movies um, and we saw Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark every, so we love that movie. Okay. So hang on. What I realized Upon this watching, what is it deep down? I'm trying to, because I know I have to come on and defend it. This movie comes out in 1981. All three of the good Indiana Jones movies had been out at that time. That's what this is satire. This is a love letter to Indiana Jones with the hat gag at the end where he's getting his ass kicked and his hat falls down and he's like, oh, my hat. And that somehow breaks him out of whatever he's doing. They hang off the side of buildings. There's these weird crash cuts. They survive against impossible odds. There's no reason for them to live over and over and over. There's Karari darts, they're swinging on ropes. And essentially, even at the very end, and I don't want to jump too far, but at the very end, Andy McDowell is wearing the dress that Karen Allen is wearing at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so what I'm guessing, this is, I'm just throwing this out here. The reason we love it is the thing, while it's spoofing action movies writ large, which I think we'll talk about, I think this is either a satire of or a love letter to Indiana Jones. And they thought, all the things you love about Indiana Jones, he falls off a cliff in the third movie, but then he's just there and his hat blows by. And you think that's awesome. At no point are you like, that's silly. Indiana Jones isn't going to do that. You watch James Bond jump. 
I remember when I went and saw Goldeneye in the theater and, you know, he jumps off the thing and he, on the motorcycle and then he just goes through the hole in the plane. And this guy behind me goes like, that's bullshit. And I was like, dude, I turned around. It's a James Bond movie. If this is <laughs> going to be how we're going to be, you need to move. What are we doing? You don't come to Goldeneye and go, that's bullshit. That wouldn't happen. Uh, right. I think that while it works as satire, I honestly believe even with the name Hudson Hawk, right? He's named after a geographical region and Hawk, where we learn Indiana Jones is named after the dog. So, and his real name is Henry, his real name is Edward, you know, these like formal names. Hmm. So this is my theory that I uncovered upon this most recent, probably my 35th to 500th watching of this movie. I truly have lost count how many times I've seen this movie. That's my theory. What are your thoughts? That was me rambling. Sorry. No, I, you know what? I think there's, there's some, there's some currency there. I think, I think there is some, something there like, Indiana Jones usually resolves around an artifact of some kind, and that's usually what the villains are after, much like this film. Hudson Hawk is a very fallible character. He he doesn't really he's not really that good. He's not really that good at cat burglary, to be honest. No. <laughs> like, he's, he's he's the world's great world's greatest cat burglar. One is caught is in he? prison, is in prison, and then the other two, the other the first heist he does, he sings out loud and gets caught. Um full, full belting out shows. Full throated, yeah. Full Which I can't we need to talk about that too, obviously. But no, I just oh, we will. start we here. Will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I think there is there is something that I like I didn't notice it myself. But I, I think there's definitely there's some genetic coding from Indiana Jones. I think you are correct. I think there is something there. Again, I think it might take it maybe a little too far with those kind of moments that, that Indiana Jones has. Those kind of because there are some like you know, especially in um, Last Crusade, there's a lot more kind of goofier comedic elements, um, and, and there's even absurdist stuff. too. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. Like the whole tank scene, that whole scene is absurd. Beyond. Not, and there's there's that many absurd moments in this when he's on the back of the ambulance hmm. and the tank scene are strikingly similar. You're being dragged along by something else. Or, or the you're truck. Out of control. Or the truck, yeah. Yeah, or the truck, right, yeah. the, in the original one. Yeah, you're being dragged along without your control. Hey, mister, are you going to die? So there's these, which I love, that every time that girl, like the worst actress in the world, I don't know who that is. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sure you're listening. But um, was, she, was that just deadpan on purpose? Was she like, you know... Hmm the writer's niece or something, but she's like, Hey, mister, are you going to die? And then he says 1-800, I'm going to fucking die yeah. later. Hmm. Um, but so, yeah. So everything about it to me, and this is again, just as I was thinking, why do I love it? I've just hmm. always loved it because I have, because it makes me happy and it hits me right where I want it to hit it hits me. But as I was doing the deep dive, I'm like, Holy shit, look at all these beats you stealing from Indiana Jones. And the death scene at the end is very similar to the end of Raiders. So it, so I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know. It feels like it couldn't be whether. And so I don't know if maybe it doesn't work because it's it's trying to be Indiana Jones while making fun of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Indiana Jones is earnest. And that's the difference. Yeah, I think so. What I've what I've noticed as well with doing doing this particular format of the show is that people come on and they, they secretly defend usually something that. Um, means a lot to them personally or has a personal connection to a memory, a person, um, a time in their life that, you know, was uh, very important to them and they connect those memories to those films. And, and like, I, I always, I always love that, that people can go, yeah, I was, I was this, I remember going to see the film and, and, and like you've described, it's always really nice to hear those, that kind of back, that, your own backstory to, to, to the link, to the love, to the film. Um, it's nice. It's nice to always hear that. But um yeah, it's. I'll, I'll be honest. I saw this a good long while ago. I'm going to say about 
probably about 20 years or so, give or take, I think, like 14, 15, 13. I think it was on Channel 5 in the UK, and they, it was just on. I don't know how many cuts they made because I, I think it was probably – I think some of the you probably thought they were making cuts, and now in this you watch, you're like, oh, they didn't cut anything. That's just the movie. Yeah, I I think probably some of the f bombs and probably some of the beheadings and the and the people exploding was probably cut. Um, But I remember quite liking it. I remember quite liking it. Um, I I'll be honest, I didn't really enjoy it. That's okay. I'm going to be honest. Scott Weatherly is coming for you, Manchester. Oh, come on then. Let's have him. Let's have him. Let's have him. I'll, I'll knock his. I'll knock his 20th century block off. Only kidding, Scott. Only kidding. Uh, you would. You would probably destroy me because I'm. I'm. I am not. He was a professional wrestler, you know. Really? Well, he would yeah. destroy me. That he would yeah. absolutely. He would. You know. He's, he's going to get. He's going to give me a backbreaker, figure four leg lock, and jump off the top rope, and I'd be dead. Like any of those moves would kill me. So any of those moves, just one. He doesn't even need to do all three. Love you, Scott. I love you, Scott. I'm only messing. Um, I love your show as well, so keep it up. Uh, but yeah, I, it wasn't like I watched it twice. Like again, like I said, I just I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> like it, like almost every moment like and and I, I'm a bit like Jack I was reading his review of Hudson Hawk and he said you know um I it passed the six laughs test I think he said and and I did laugh like there are jokes that like you said there's jokes that don't land and there's other jokes I'm sure we'll get into some of the more atrocious ones and some of the better ones yeah I, and I watched it again because I, I had a headache and I was like you know what I need to give it another this is the first time I've ever done this for a secret defenders as well well for a podcast in general so I appreciate it. It wasn't like, oh my god, this is awful. It's not the Ewoks movies, you know. It's I went. It's not the Ewoks. It's definitely not not the Ewoks movies. No, but I went. There's still something about this that I really like, but I need to give it another chance. So I I rented it. So I only had a couple of days to to have it. Um, So I. I, I watched it again quite like a day after, about 24 hours after. Uh, and I was like, right, let's do this again. But yeah, um, <laughs> there's a, it's not, again, it's not my favorite, but there's so much that I like about it. But I still, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of in the middle. I'm kind of sitting on the fence a little bit because I'm still not quite sure how I feel. Um, and I'm hoping maybe that that your arguments will 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 swing me towards the positive because I'm not, I don't like to be negative about films if I can avoid it. But um yeah, you've even got a kind of you've even got a Hudson Hawk haircut going on a little bit. I do. I've got the whole thing. I more I put my Hudson. People can't see, but when yeah. the show started, I've got my Hudson Hawk black hat on. Got, I've got, got a Hudson Hawk haircut. I've, I only have my one earring, and I should have put. I've only got two holes on this side, but I could have just pierced it ten other times. I have all the hoops. <laughs> I on mean, the one side for no reason. I mean, I mean, no one would see that, but I, but I would appreciate it. I would. Right. Yeah. It was just for you. Yep. The hat is just for it's you. Just, the haircut. Yeah. I'm just. The haircut I'm just, is just my haircut. I'm the just guy hoping- in the donkey is just the guy in the donkey. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining you just doing like a really quick job of just hole punching your ear, just lo- lots of blood, blood coming from it, just streaming down onto your clothes, going, I'm, I'm Hudson Hawk. I'm Hudson yeah, Hawk. Yeah. I've, I've finally become Hudson Hawk. Uh, That's right. The lifelong dream. Before we go into the, the rest of it, I'm going to tell you the two things I love most about this film. Or, well, three things. The music. Oh. the the music is fantastic um it's just it's oh it's just so good it's all jazzy and it's old school and it's retro um 
and and I've I've since watching the films, I've not stopped singing the songs. Every single song in it's side, yeah. side, side by, by side. I, I was humming it today. I was wandering around today singing side by side. Yeah. I, I sung I sung um Hudson Hawk so much that we had torrential rain here in Manchester. Like, yes, I, I'm sure that's the reason why. That was that was my own particular rain dance. And I was like, great, I'm gonna have to go yes. out in all this as well. Fantastic. Um <laughs> Uh, and and of course, swinging on a star. Like I, I've not stopped singing, and it's a travesty because none of those songs, none of those songs in the Hudson Hawk soundtrack is not on iTunes currently. I could not find right. it, and that is, I honestly think that's a travesty. Yeah, I think it would be a huge seller. I don't know what they're thinking about there. I I, I think the Bing Crosby swinging on a star is in the public domain now, so there's yeah. no reason not to do that. And there's definitely versions of side by side that are probably in public domain. Mm. Um, but but to get the Danny Aiello, Bruce Willis ones, because they can both sing. I mean, mm. obviously, we know Bruce Willis had the whole persona as Bruno and everything. And Danny Aiello could always, you know, he was a Renaissance fan. And so they're really singing. That's them. And uh, so, yeah, it is a travesty. And the only way to get them singing is to, like, get a YouTube cut of it or something. And then the other sounds are in there. And so it just doesn't work as well. No. But, um, yeah, it's they went all in. Every, there's. Nobody in this movie did anything half-assed. No. This is the, you know, everybody knows those Bruce Willis movies where, you know, he's not trying. I just watched Motherless Brooklyn not that long ago, and I was like, hey, he showed up for this one. I wonder why. I wonder what it was about this one that he was like, I'm not going to phone this in. Hmm. I'm going to come in. But it had been a while since I've seen him do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've seen a lot of miserable old man Bruce Willis films in recent years, and I'm, I'm slowly like, oh. What, what happened, mate? Um, yeah. If, if you've not got the passion for it anymore, if you've not got, you know, maybe just do something else. Like do produce, Rich. produce, yeah. direct, or just, you know, sit sit on your your laurels and all that money you've already made, you know. You know, sell sell the house, get a cheaper house and just, just live in the lap of luxury, whatever you want to do. But yeah. I, I like Bruce Willis. He's a good actor. I like a lot of his films. And and I think I think he's good in this. Um, the, the second thing I really liked in the... I think the second and the third are very closely related the chemistry between Danny Aiello and Bruce Willis is fantastic just just so so good because they've known each other for years they're good mates and you can t- you can see that coming through in the performances you can see them like dicking about and pissing about and telling shit jokes and that works and and the by the byproduct of that is that first heist scene the swinging on a star sequence is for me the standout section for me of the film you know there's other stuff going on but i think as a kind of heisty kind of thing um and again it's again it is absurd it's just they're rolling along on skateboards and you know you don't see them bring no they're just all of a sudden got skateboards. they've got and they're like neon skateboards too like they're they're the most 90s thing about this film is those skateboards <laughs> like wow this was clearly made in 1991 look at those skateboards and i think all the nintendo references as well like the mario brothers mario and, brothers and all that and oh, like you know we alone <laughs> Frank Stallone. <laughs> Instructions even your idiot brother can understand. I love that line. Yeah. Directions <laughs> even I can understand. <laughs> um but yeah, I love I love that sequence. I mean, I could have done I could have done without the the Wong the, that's oh, the Wong number that joke. It's the worst joke I think is in the-, the worst because the music the, the music changes too. Yeah. And that makes it worse. It's one thing to just do that joke, but then to have the score change. It's really bad. It, that is the one thing I 100% would want to edit out of this. Yeah, There's a couple of other moments, too, that are like Butterfinger's line and when he's in the back of the mini. I don't need that. Um, oh, yeah. That I was, was going to mention that. I was like, 
yeah, that I, I don't think I don't think you or I could defend that line. <laughs> no, I can't. I don't defend that. I, Butterfinger is a character I'm fine with, mm. um, and even the Almond Joy character because that actress is amazing and she's gone on to do other yeah. amazing things. Mm. But but like even she seems to be in on the joke that she's the only black woman in this movie, so that's okay. Mm. Like I'm okay with that because she's like oh. her performance, the way that she is, the way she reads her lines. Even when you first meet them, she's the only one not eating her candy bar, which is yeah. totally just absurd. So I'm okay with that. Like, here's the one woman of color in the whole movie, and it's okay because she's also in on the joke, which is the joke about action movies, right? Is that the only woman of color, like when you think about Commando, there was supposed to be a love scene. In addition to the fact that Ray Don Chong and Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. had zero chemistry, but it was also, they were like, ah. Eh. And then, you know, when uh, the guy's VHS strikes back did Virtuosity, Jack's pick for Virtuosity, mm. you find out that, that, um, the, the part wasn't written for Denzel. And so in the original draft, the Denzel character and Kelly Lynch's character had a kiss that they cut. Right, okay. That's 95. So, you yeah. know, it's like in 91, this movie was aware enough of the of the action movie tropes to stick Almond Joy in there with a mm. high quality award-winning actor. And she's just like owns that role and she knows what she's doing with it. So I defend a lot about those characters, but what Butterfinger says when he's in the back of the car yeah. I don't. Let's not even repeat then, it. Let's and that, all no, say it's no, we awful. Won't. It's it's an awful it's an awful line, and it's I think it'll be potentially triggering for for people yeah. and upsetting for people. So we won't we won't mention it. And and it, it kind of it, it it I was like really I was quite shocked by it because it was just Me came too. out yeah. came out of nowhere. And I think a lot of the the extreme violence just comes out of nowhere as well in this. And the and the 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 goofy kind of like it's like I'll be honest, it's tonally it's a mess. Like it's oh, not yeah. I think that's intentional though. My yeah. my defense of that is it's on it's it's intentionally a mess. If you go back to the idea that this is a Bugs Bunny cartoon, hmm. that is the most violent thing that was on TV when I was a kid. Hmm. Was Roadrunner and 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 there's a lot of Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny, our Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote in this movie, and that. Coyote ends every scene being blown up and Tom and Jerry, another, you know, anything by Tex Avery, really yeah. <laughs> um, at that time too. You've got all of these things where it's like super violent cartoon, silly violence. And the Simpsons of with itchy and scratchy have always done a good job of pointing that out. Hmm. I really do think this is the, the best satire is, is living in the genre, but also making fun of the genre. So I feel yes. the reason it's totally yeah. a mess is because and, and this is where, and again, I'm going to make some of our some of our listeners mad, so I apologize. Go on. But like, I always joke, and it was like, oh, but the reason the Marvel movies are so good is because they always throw those jokes in there. And I always say, yes, because mass genocide is hysterical. <laughs> so let's, right, that's what the end of Infinity War is that everybody dies. And, and so it's not super funny. And you're right, there are plenty of jokes in all of the Marvel movies. But again, there's always, it's, it's still a superhero movie. It's still an action movie filled with hmm. collateral damage of there's all, we don't see it. You know, the big thing that people hate about Batman versus Superman is that lots of the Martha thing, notwithstanding, yeah. but, but the idea behind it is still valid that it's like, what would it be like? What would happen in the aftermath of Superman smashing every building in, in Metropolis? How would that go for the folks? And so they just try to explore it even, even for, 20 minutes of a, of yeah. a really long movie. So I still think that's my guess is why it's, I'm going to defend it and say it was intentionally totally a mess. I'm sure you as an actor will say absolutely not, eh, but that's my defense. Yeah. I, 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 as, 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 as an actor or former actor. As a thespian. Yeah. Or a, a actor on hiatus, I'll, I'll call it. Um, I, 
like Bruce Willis, like the character is in at the beginning is this cool, calm, collected cat burglar. He's quick. He's he's good with his hands. He can you know he's he. I, I love that he times things to songs. However, I've I've just watched a YouTube video by someone called I think it's Cinema Cinema Excrement, and he said all the timings for the songs are, are wrong. wrong. Yeah, are all incorrect. And this it's the wrong Super Bowl that Whitney Houston sang at. Too. Yes, yes, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I, and and also like the the where he's like the an, uh, an artist five hundred years later of a different field, cat burglary. You know, he's like it's like that's not. 500 years from that. Not at all. Yeah, nope. so there's loads of inact. And that's, I imagine, is down to the, the writing of, of, of Bruce Willis and, and co. Um, but I can't even remember what I was trying to make the point. Sorry, of you were saying, you were saying totally it was a mess and I was yes, trying to. Yeah, sorry. No, no, you're right. So, so Bruce Willis, he starts off this way and, you know, and I get the character. I'm like, okay, is this cool, suave guy? He's come out of prison. He doesn't want to get involved. I, I, I like that. I like that he's like, I don't want to just commit crimes again. I want to, you know, it's kind of like almost like, uh, I don't know why I'm referencing this movie, but it's like Superfly where he's like, I'm I'm a pimp and a drug pusher, but I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to change, uh, and I and I and I, That's gravitated. Nice. I like that. Yeah, I'm where I'm with you. Sure. Yeah, uh, and I gravitated towards that. I was like, he's want to be. He wants to be a better person, and that kind of like he mentions it a couple of times, but but by the halfway point of this movie, that is that whole character is dropped, and it's almost as if Bruce Willis is doing a parody of that character in his performance. Like he's gone, that's what the character is. This is my parody, but it's within the same film. Like it's like, I, I can, I knew, I know for a fact that he was rewriting, you know, on set, they were rewriting scenes and adding stuff. And it, it just, when he gets to the end and it's, you know, you know, when he's getting, he's getting beaten up by James Coburn, who is oh really, God. who is also really good in this. He, and he's like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And he's just be- keeps bending over. Like he's being hit, but he's not actually being hit. And he's like, Oh God, how can I stop? You know, and I'm like, at that point, I'm just like, what? When did when when did that happen? When did it become this? When did that character go from that? You know, he's he's breaking out of prison. He's you know, and it, and it feels like a serious crime film. And I know this was like marketed as an action movie, and it's produced by Joel Silver. So why wouldn't you think that? You know, Bruce Willis is in it. Die Hard. You know, you would probably think that, but I I don't think that probably helped. But I also don't think it's that good a movie as well. Sure. No, well, for me, so the other thing I'm going to say, so my cousin Noom, I hope he, I'll send him a link so he'll be listening. You'll get, yeah. you're like, why is there one listener in Kalamazoo, Michigan for this time? That's why. <laughs> um, so here's the thing, though. This is the team that gave us Heathers, which was yes. was one of my other choices when you said pick movies. I watched, he and Noom and I watched Heathers. This is not hyperbole. Not just once a week for a summer, every day for a mm. summer. We watched Heather's at least once, whether we were alone or together, I could act that whole movie out. Also has lots of problems, I understand. However, there was something about the way, the truth of that movie, the way that, and again, because I, I mean, I wasn't a serial killer like JD or, but both Hudson Hawk and JD kind of dressed the same way, right? They're like, yeah, t-shirts and vests and hats and trench coats. That is me. I'm still that guy. And I was that guy in high school. Um and, and not in like a weird, I'm going to show up, you know, at your school, like a crazy guy, like JD, but like the, the aesthetic, that was just my life. And so there was some, but the, the, the truth of Heather's, the, again, a black, black comedy and a dark scathing satire of high school. It's uncomfortable and it's harsh. So to new, no, you know, and there's no internet back then, but I knew this was the same team. Yeah. So I 
never cared action movie whatever i'm like oh this is the guys who did that yeah, so i'm gonna we're gonna go i'm in it. i'm in so so going in for me i wasn't fooled by all of the ads or not. i went in saying this movie is going to try to do something because heather's is totally a mess too so maybe that michael lehman's a bad director maybe that's what it comes down to but jd also changes as that movie same thing he starts off He's cool. He's this guy. He's like, you know, he stands up. Everything's real calm. And by the end, he's completely shit, crazy bananas at the end of that. I almost feel like, though, and this is my defense again, because that's my job is to yeah, defend yeah. you. Your yeah. job is to tell me that I'm wrong. We're supposed to see in both films. When you meet Hawk, he's getting out of prison. He thinks he's mentally ready for one thing. He doesn't even get to sleep. And the first night he's out of prison, he's robbing an auction house. He jumps out of a building. He watches somebody get his head cut off or his neck sliced open. All, he still hasn't had any coffee, mind you, which is all he wants. He's an addict who needs his coffee. And as we move on through this whole thing, he the only time he sleeps is when he's knocked unconscious. There's lots of massive head trauma, which, again, is also kind of funny. But also, so to me, the reason I see his personality change is he is literally a man at his wit's end. And then you see when the candy bars tell him, you know, some of those guards at the Louvre would have lived if you had just done what you said you were going to do. And so he just keeps just getting pushed and pushed. And yes, there's still this silly comedy at the end. But I just feel like the reason he's so different from one end to the other is this whole thing happens in three days. No, I, and the I, only time he sleeps is when he's either been drugged or hit over the head with something. No, I think that, that's a that's a fair point. I think I definitely see that. <laughs> I definitely see that like when when he's in that scene with Minerva and Darwin and he's like and he's dancing with them and they're doing all that and he's like he's like do I offend if I do this yeah. and all that that like that for me that's his wit's end but then when he meets up with with Tommy again and everyone I feel like that's his time to go okay we've got a plan we've got a team we're all right but then he's still he's still there he's still sure 120% performance, you know, cartoonish, uh, cartoonish cat. It is totally a cartoon. It is cartoon. It is a- and I, and I, I think that's probably what I appreciate about it. Like it is random. It is bizarre. And it's, I can, I definitely see why people like it. I absolutely see why people like it. I get, I absolutely get it. And I, I potentially like worse films than this. Like I do. Sure. Um, and there's problems with all my favorite films. But I think because it's so middle of the fence, like middle of the, the road for me and sitting on the fence, I think I have to lean to a, a more negative kind of frame because I'm, I, I, I just because it's not, because if it was good or great, then I'd be like, oh yeah, it's, it's good and great, you know, but because it's not good or great, and it, but it's not quite bad. I think I, I think you, the, the, <laughs> The measure is going slightly in that sure. kind of direction, but yeah, um, but yeah, I I can I can see why people would get a lot out of this film. I think there's some great uh, set pieces, some great sets, you know, beautiful, gorgeous kind of castles and stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a it's it can be fun, but I think I think you have to go in with a with a, a, a frame of mind before watching it. I think if you you know, there are a lot of films people say just go in without knowing anything. I think with this film you kind of got to have a little something switched on so you're not like, because it's quite a, a shift, you know, from from some of the sequences. Because I, I thought maybe that the ridiculousness of the singing within the first heist was probably the 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 limit. Um, oh, it's the high, it's definitely the high point in the film. Although hmm. I will say to me, as the film starts to dip, we get Richard E. Grant, whom I love and everything, but who just is like, what do you need me to do? 
And then Sandra Bernhardt just say, what, we're the bad guys? Okay. And they look like they are having the best time. And everybody in this film does. Nobody hmm. looks miserable in this film. And that, I think, to me, is there's a, there's a, there's a joy to everybody's performance, to, to the, like you said, Bruce and Danny hmm. clearly love each other. And I still think, and I don't know this to be true, but right when he gets out of jail, and he's like, oh, give me a kiss. He's like, I won't use tongue this time. And they like laugh and are like goofing around or whatever. So like, I feel like that was just probably an improv scene that Danny was like, hey, I would have been funnier if he'd even grabbed his ass. I would have loved that there too. Um, when Sandra Bernard and Richard E. Grant show up hmm. and are just cranked up to not even 11, but to like 15, they, to me, bring everything back because it's so outlandish and it's so... There's, I mean, there are James Bond performances that are smaller or that are, that are, that are smaller James Bond villain performances that are smaller than what these two did hmm. without a doubt, but they're clearly leaning in on that. They're like, Oh, we're the Bond villains. And so it, Richard E. Grant's like, wait, I get to give a Bond villain speech. And they're like, we well, got to split it with her and they own it. And so to me, when the movie dips, they, the two of them show up. Hmm. Andy McDowell is just playing Andy McDowell. Like she always does. Like she brings yeah. nothing to the role, but Andy, but she's fine. She's serviceable. I know it was supposed to be Isabella Rosalini, which would have, Made yeah. more sense for the character. You know, you're like, she's supposed to be this Italian person. And so you get a woman from Texas. What mm. I don't, who cannot, Andy McDowell never can cover that accent in anything she's ever been in. So it's like, and again, she's always just fine. I have nothing. I'm she's just not yeah, exactly. She's, I, I'll be honest, I, I know her for more kind of like, is like, was she the spokesperson for like Oil of Ole and like makeup yeah, products? Yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, a Groundhog Day. That's the thing most people know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I know I've seen her in stuff, but I always know her. Yeah. I see her more often in, in commercials. In commercials that I see. Her she's in aged. She's aged. She looks still just like this. She's aged miraculously well. They did a Hulu did a remake. Mindy Kaling did a remake of uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and she shows up in it. Oh, it's like, cool. oh, you look the same as yeah. you did in '94. It's amazing. So anyway, so I just think when the two of them show up, that saves it for me. You're right. It starts to dip and it starts to go down, and the candy bars are okay. And I do think the woman who plays Almond Joy is fantastic. Mm. I did. I think I told you this before that. Uh, uh, the guy who plays Snickers, I saw him as uh, Macbeth live um, in Jackson, Michigan, which was insane. I'd already loved this movie. And then I didn't know. I just went because Macbeth's my favorite tragedy. And I'm like, oh, I see the name. And I'm like, that's, that's, you know, but it's no, it's him. He's from Michigan and he showed up and he amazing. played Hamlet or he played Macbeth. I mean, and it was amazing. Did he still have the explosive stuck to his head? He did not. He actually grew his hair out long, but that would have been fantastic if he had just showed up at the end. And instead of dying the way Macbeth dies, he dies with that explosion on his. He jumped up from the trap door on stage. He was really good. He's actually a really physical actor. It was it's a as you know, Macbeth's a physical role. But um, oh yeah. So he, I like the candy bars for all the reasons. David Caruso's Kit Kat was funny, not being able to speak. But when the Minervas are in, and it's just so amazing. So that's I, I again. I'm sorry. I, I've gone on. What are your thoughts? I, I would love to hear because to me, I think that turns a lot of people off. The two of them, they're like, what is happening? I mean, I, 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 my friend Josh is a huge fan of um, uh, Richard E. Grant uh, in anything with with Nail and I is like is is potentially an actor's film. Uh, a lot of people, you know, he is plays an actor in that. I do think within this film there is a bit of mugging for the camera. Like I'm funny. I am being funny. Look at me being funny. There is there is moments of that. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with you. I think they are they they are playing the role as written. So I don't think they're particularly mugging. I think Bruce Willis does a little bit of mugging. And, oh, yeah. and Andy McDowell's Curare dolphin moment is one of my That's, least favorite. Oh, just it's the worst part of the movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, horrific. It's really bad. It goes on too long. It goes in on a movie it. that's this short, you could cut it. You could cut that. Yeah, and even even the Da Vinci thing was ten minutes, and that wasn't really funny or that interesting. That could have just been a narration, or it could have been a title card, a bit of text, or something. But they were like, "No, we're just going to show Da Vinci like drawing a ugly Mona Lisa." <laughs> You know all this other. Weird. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what film am I watching? What is this? Yeah. Um, and then it becomes something. In t- I was like, it's one of those moments where you're like, did I put the right one on? Did I put the right film on? You know what? We just watched, um, and it's funny. I had no idea going into it. It was just a Kristen Wiig movie, so I'm like, we'll watch this. So Kristen Wiig has a new movie called Barb and Star Go Go to Vista Del Mar. Have you watched this? No, no, but I've seen the trailer. If you are again, here's let me, let me tell everybody this. If you think this movie Hudson Hawk is a tonal mess. You should not watch Barb and Star Visit. It is, um, I can't decide still, it's been a week since I watched it, if it is the greatest thing of ever, greatest piece of comedy ever, or the dumbest thing ever. I liked it so much. They knew exactly what they were doing. And it starts off like a, like a boy who could be the live version of Russell from Up. Hmm. That's exactly what he looks like. Delivering newspapers, lip syncing to a song, and then Kristen Wiig is a Bond villain herself. And then cut to Nebraska. Like we, because we were like in it and Lee and I, my wife, we, we looked at each other like, what is this? Did we get, is the same exact thing. Is this the right movie? I think 30 years from now, we'll, re, we'll reconvene and I'll secret defend Barb and Star go to the mark. So I really truly think everyone's going to hate that movie as much as they hate this one for the same reasons. They don't know what it is, but the people in the movie are just like, you're giving us money to do something yeah. fun. Let's go do something fun. I do. I do think the the script doesn't help them, but I think they do have some of the funniest lines. The villains in this, like, oh I th- god! I think the best line for me is, uh, "I'm going to talk to you so slowly, you're going to think it's a career." It's a career. Uh, oh, I god. love. I love that. And line. He delivers it straight. I mean, he's a maniac, right? Yeah. The whole time, the Mayflowers are maniacs, but he delivers that line. Oh god! He delivers that line like he means it. He delivers it like he's in a Bond movie. It's. I just think it's fantastic. He's 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 always he's always great when he's always on when I've seen him in anything he's always good and he always delivers like he was even in Logan for like a small period he was yeah in, in Logan and he was great in that you know he pumps out a lot of exposition but I mean he was still good at doing that and that's what he does he does great long speeches because um, that's just the way he is um, I just. <laughs> I, I think some of the best gags come from them. Um, however, I think, like I said, the script doesn't help because there's a lot of lines in this film where it's like, again, like the mug, there's a lot of mugging to camera, like we're funny, this is a funny line, laugh at this funny line. There is, there's <laughs> I also- do every time. <laughs> and there's also, there's also lines in the script of which is like, what can I tell you? I'm the villain. You know, it's yeah. like- you're, you're Richard E. Grant. I don't need you to tell me you're the villain. I know you're the villain. You don't even, even when I don't know you're the villain, I know you're the villain. As soon as you're on screen, I'm like, oh, I get what he's like, doing here. Oh, it's Richard E. Grant. He's the villain. Right. You know, it's it's like it's like when you watch like a CSI episode and it's like, you know, who's the special guest star? Oh, they're the murderer. There we go. We figured it out already. Um, <laughs> but then also like the, 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 the candy bars, um, like, so much product placement in this as well. Just so much product. That's how they, sometimes you wonder, you're watching a thing, you're like, oh, how'd you pay for this? Oh, that's how. There we go. Uh, but like, we see them in the auction house, which I want to talk about as well. Um, and they've all, they're all seen with their particular candy bar. Um, so that kind of, like, he's like, Bruce Lewis is like, oh, these all strange people in this 
auction and they've all got their candy bars okay whatever and you kind they're of dress like they're dressed in their colors of the candy yes, bars too yeah that as yeah. well I, and and i appreciate that i appreciate that as a you know to match up with stuff um but there's a line where they come later and they're introduced as the mtvia generation by james coburn and stuff and and she goes almond joy snickers kit kat candy bars get it and i'm like yeah, you've you've introduced <laughs> everyone. You've just said you're all candy bars. I saw you eat candy bars earlier, and now you've even got a line saying, "Did you see the candy bars? We're trying to sell candy bars." Fair. I, listen, I can't. I, I won't defend that. No, I won't no. defend that line. I, but listen, Wayne's World. The difference between this and Wayne's World is that Wayne's World did it. Yeah, they just put it in their movie. Yeah, that that's they're just the like, it is a choice, and it's a choice of a new generation. So there's the only difference is is that. Wayne's World did pretend, acknowledge what they were doing, and yes. they didn't. But they did. Again, to me, yeah. it's like this meta-awareness of we know this is a spoof. We know that we're making fun of stuff. And so we are product-placing things. So we're, again, to me, good satire lives in lives in the place yeah. where it is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of farce. I don't think this is a farce. I think a lot of people look at this and think it's a farce. I don't. I look at this and see this is a satire of action films. And, of course, it's, it's cousin- uh, its first cousin that is also much maligned is Last Action Hero. That was the same thing. It wanted to live in the place where it was and then make fun of it. And somehow Deadpool comes out. And granted, in a sense, Deadpool's a better movie than this, probably. On its, I like this more than Deadpool. Like, objectively, yeah. Deadpool's a better movie. Yeah. I like this. If you have to say you can only watch one ever again, I would watch Hudson Hawk before I watch Deadpool. Ever. Like, of all time. I would never watch Deadpool again if that meant I could never watch Hudson Hawk. Like, that's right, how I feel right. It's just a personal opinion, right? Yeah. Well, Last Action Hero, too, it's the same thing. So so to me, it's acknowledging the product placement that's in movies. I feel like, and again... Is this, um, a, is this ahead of its time? I think it is. I'm pretty sure the first time I recognized product, product placement was Moonraker. Like, as, as a kid, I mean, I'm older than you, so... Um, I remember. I feel ninety nine percent sure there's like a moment where where James skis under like a Mountain Dew sign or something. And my dad worked for Pepsi, and so it I caught my eye only for that reason because you know it's like we had Mountain Dew shit all around. We were product placement for Pepsi products. Like for, <laughs> when you work for a big corporation like that, you just give free shit. They're like, here's this thing that says our brand on it. Wear it. It's a hat. Um, so I, I I feel like that was the first time I was totally one hundred percent aware of product placement in films. And that's obviously how films get made now. That's the only reason streaming services can work. I mean, they don't sell ads. Netflix doesn't sell ads. Clearly, there's something in there that somebody's paying them to put in that. I remember I remember getting the first Iron Man DVD, and I remember um, there's a feature, special feature, and it was all about Audi. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, there was a special feature, and it was just selling Audi products and cars and stuff. And I was like, I was like... Yeah. Okay, sure. I, I mean, I don't know why you yeah. put this on the DVD, but you know, it could have just been a YouTube video. But <laughs> but well, because you know, they they wanted to get their uh, money's worth for sure. Um, so I so I so I hear what you're saying, and it is super mm. cringy. But I also can my only defense of that it's bad. It's a bad line. I feel mm. bad that they made James Coburn say it out loud. He deserves better. I still uh, think I think, part- I think Alman Joy says it, not not Coburn. She says, oh, right. Yeah. She's the one who says candy bars. You're right. Yeah. You're right. She, yeah, she said. Uh, but again, yeah. she's a very good actor, too, and deserves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> deserves again, better. again, it's it's the scripted line. And again, as like 
I feel bad for the director as well. Like head director of Heather's was involved in this. Now he doesn't badmouth the film. I have looked into this because I wanted to know because he was the director, and all I ever hear mm-hmm. about is Bruce Willis and the guy who wrote the song. Because this is based off a song that was written by a friend of Bruce Willis, who was I think he's executive producer and, and he does the music and the score. I think. But I wanted to know what his feelings was uh, on it because he talks about Heather's a lot and all these other kind of films that he made. But I wanted to know what what his experience because obviously it was a bit of a you know troubled production as well, which was never necessarily a good thing um, for films, especially if people hear about that as well before it comes out. But he said that you know I think I've got a quote actually. Let me use my notes. Let me get my quote. yes. I've got lots of notes still. I, I, I'll rip. I'll rip through it. Um, Okay, so this is Michael Lehman said, when I started Hudson Hawk, I realized I was dealing with a strong-willed producer, a strong-willed actor, and at times, a strong-willed studio. And I was the junior partner in all this, the guy who hadn't proven anything in terms of box office success. So he was not really in a position to say, Bruce, that joke's not working, or maybe you need to turn down your performance, or you know, maybe we shouldn't promote it in this way, Joel Silver, you know. Maybe don't pretend it's something it isn't. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. But um, but yeah, that's so. I I feel and and again, I've read a few more interviews about it that he talks about it. He never really badmouths the experience. Never really badmouths anybody. But he says, you know, because I, I would. Uh, this is a cult film now. I think. I think it is definitely one hundred percent. Yep definitely a cult film and i think there is an audience for it um i'm not within the audience but there is you know you jack scott you know they're all uh, you know um my cousin and, and your cousin and dennis dennis is a fan so but andy is not Andy is definitely not we'll we'll get to those comments later but uh <laughs> yeah he is he's to be fair he's um He's very opinionated. He's, he's a hard egg to crack in terms of of quality movies. You know, um, another one, yeah. my friend. No, that's totally fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's his. That's I that's his that. shtick. That's his shtick. That's his shtick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. But it's not a joke for him. He's not like no. just. I'm going to be divisive to be divisive. He's, you know, yeah. that's the point of why and I love watching it. And, and, so, and sometimes, yeah, exactly. And sometimes I don't like to agree with Andy, but on this occasion I do. You know, I'm it's like totally oh, fair. Being too harsh, Andy, and I'm like. He is still being too harsh. I agree. He is still being too harsh, but he's still got a lot of valid points, I think, uh, in sure. to criticizing this particular film. Um, I wanted to talk about, again, we've been talking about it as an absurdist kind of spoof. Um, I think one of the people that plays it the right way is Coburn in this, because he was oh. in. He's in things like uh, in like like Flint or like Flint. Flint. Oh yeah. man, yeah. yeah, that's who he's playing, right? Yeah, isn't that who he's? Yeah, yeah. apparently, yeah. He's called he's called George Kaplan, which was mm-hmm. isn't that the character from North by Northwest? Is that the name of the character? Oh, maybe I don't know. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I think I think, I think yeah. that might be a reference to that. But he he's your Leslie Nielsen in this. He is mm-hmm. a straight dramatic actor. Like before Leslie Nielsen did all the com- you know the comedies, he was the captain of the you know the Poseidon Adventure. He was in things like Prom Night. You know, he, he's if he's not, he's in Creep Show as the villain. One of the best villains, um, you know, cinematic villains for me is, in, is him in Creep Show um, in his section. Um, and this is what Coburn does. He's he looked to the script. He goes, you know, um, you know, I'm not mugging to the camera. I'm just going to deliver my lines as as a normal performance. I'm a CIA guy, and this is just how it's going to be. And I think that is one of the better performances. And it and his jokes land like I love, I miss communism, you know, and all. Oh that. yeah. And I, because, I stra- yeah, because he's I, my first bearhead strangulation. He's like, ah, oh, George, your old softy. Yeah. And instead of him like turning that into right, instead of him like feeding into Eddie's joke, 
Mm. He's just like, like, oh, I miss communism. Yep. Yeah, I miss communism. <laughs> and that that for me is one of my one of my favorite lines because it's 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 genuine, it's delivered well, it's you know, it's just like it's 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 got it's genuine. It's a genuine, like he genuinely misses communism, and that's funny, you know. Um, and there's a, there's truth in those moments. Uh, and again, again, like it's it's a shame we don't see more of him because so many characters in this to kind of keep track of. Um yeah. And and so many kind of instances of just like where are we now? What are we doing now? We're in Venice. We're in we're in Italy. We're in we're in France, as Butterfinger calls it. Um, yeah, yeah. He keeps thinking they're in France, and then there's <laughs> that joke later, and he's like the Louvre in France. Um, she's Minerva says, and he's like as opposed to the Louvre in Wisconsin. And so like that's a funny line. <laughs> that is a good. That is a good line. That yeah, good. and those are the moments, right? Those are definitely those moments when you talk about that he's not mugging for the camera. He's yeah. just. This is a good line. Now, the co-writer, the person who was brought in at the end, as you're talking about the script, mm. is Dan Waters, who, um, Dan Walters, not Dan Waters, the, the comic writer, Dan Waters, the film writer. Um, I, Jack and I actually interviewed Dan Waters, the comic writer. Totally different thing. But he actually wrote Heathers with Michael Lehman. So he's co-writer. So it's story by Bruce Willis, this other guy, and then Dan comes in. And I, so I firmly believe, like, that was maybe the concession they gave to Michael Lehman is like, we'll bring your buddy in because we know he can tell a joke. We know he can punch it up. And so probably a lot of those writing on the fly, that's probably what he was doing. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he wrote, he wrote one of my favorite, favorite films of all time, which also. Batman Returns. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love, I love Batman Returns and the dialogue in that and the jokes are great in that. It's, it's, it's all great. Again, has a fuck ton of problems. Don't get me wrong. It is, it is not the best Batman film, but it is my favorite. Um, Fair. Just because it's so fucking weird and Christmassy and all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, just, just weird. But yeah, um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to go through my notes now because I've, I've got a few. Yeah. I've got a few uh, before we, before we get to our, to our, Listener questions. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we've got a, we've got a lot of comments. We've got, like, we've got about half an hour left, so we're okay. We're doing okay. For yeah. What, what do you think about like the f bombs and the extreme violence in, in juxtaposition with the cartoonish, goofy, you know, outlandish humor? Do you think that gels together, or is that kind of like because like there's some moments where I was like, like where Alfred the Butler, speaking of Batman, uh, loses his head. <laughs> loses his head. I was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, that, that was like, and it's, and it's like, here's a, here's a, a, a funny twist on a, an action one liner, which, which I didn't mind, but it was kind of like, I was like, it just comes out of fucking nowhere. It's like, okay, he's been decapitated. Yeah. You know? How do you, how do you feel? Do you feel that they work together or is it, is um, it like, is it challenging each other? Those things? I think the violence is, is better suited than the F-bombs. I think, I think if it would have been smart and hysterical if the only person who swore was Tommy. Can you fucking believe it? Because it's just coming out of Danny Aiello's mouth. Everything, yeah. everything that comes out of Danny Aiello's mouth is beautiful. So it wouldn't have mattered. So I think that would have been funny if that had been the way that they had done it without commenting on it. Just have it be, he's this gangster guy. He's Tommy Five Tone. His last name is Five Tone. And so that would be okay. I feel like, yeah, I, th- I think sometimes... It's forced, although whenever Sandra Bernhardt does it, it seems to work, you know, especially in her big motherfuckers at the end. <laughs> it was pretty great. So, but I think the violence works because, again, I go back to my childhood growing up in the 70s, where not only were the 70s in general just trying to kill you because there were no seatbelts and you drove around in the backseat of pickup trucks or in the back cabs of pickup trucks and 
you know, crashed, my wife crashed a, like my wife, when she was like six years old, was out riding a motorcycle by herself, like a little dirt bike and crashed it and just laid in the yard for a while. The seventies are trying Jesus. to kill us. That's just the whole life. Well, so I kind of discussed that last week with our, with the man thing uh, podcast. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was a, there was a so lot the of that. 70s, there is. So the seventies are just a weird time. And so, but the cartoons were also just super violent. Like, Seriously, Bugs, Bugs Bunny is ultraviolet and Tom and Jerry is ultraviolet. So since I think it's leaning into that, it's hmm. it's it's because I feel this is a work of satire making fun of movies. And again, Last Action Hero, there's that line in Last Action Hero where Schwarzenegger, the real Schwarzenegger, is sitting there and he's like, we really made sure we wanted to pay attention. And this time we've only killed 17 people instead of 35. Like that's the line in the movie. But he's acknowledging his new action movie brought the death count down to just 17 people dying. Hmm. So I feel like, again, there's this thing about Bruce Willis and, and, you know, Schwarzenegggers there. They're acknowledging the silliness. I mean, how many people does Bruce Willis kill in Die Hard? How many people does he kill in Die Hard 2? You know, how many people has Bruce Willis killed on screen? I think the violence is okay because it's it is cartoony, but it's acknowledging where they came from, from the 70s, 60s and 70s, watching these super violent cartoons that have then kind of bred these over violent, silly action movies. But if the tone of this movie is different, it's a hit. But because it's because it's not because it's silly, it's not a hit. But it's doing all the same beats that every other action movie that would be a hit is doing. No, save I mean, the I... girl, stop the bad guys. There's a you know there's a, a Brit, an evil British guy. Beautiful locations, CIA intrigue twists. I mean that's a, that's a like you said, it's a mission of more twists than a mission. All the Mission Impossible movies. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I don't mind it. I hear what you're saying. I do think. Some people just say fuck because they're like, it's a rated R movie. Let's say fuck. But I, I don't mind it. Yeah. I always, I've always thought that I think they could reboot The Mask, you know, uh, in a kind of a Deadpool style because the original comics I've read and they're, they're very violent, very grim. And obviously in the film, they obviously, they lightened it and obviously it was a lot more cartoonish and, um, mm-hmm. My 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 version my my version of the mask film would be that he has all the cartoony abilities, but the violence outside of him and outside of his sphere of influence, uh, the reaction to like what a mallet can do to a real human's head is shown. So you could yeah, that'd be out. awesome. Yeah. Like if they did that, like he still has all the cartoony wacky abilities, but then like when you when you see that, when you see the the anvils fall on people's head, you see what what a real world anvil would react like on a human being. That that would be my version, and it's more. Dark. I would watch that. A bit more like dead, kind of a Deadpool type thing, like sure. winks at the camera and stuff. That would be my that would be my take. Um, and maybe and maybe cast a female lead just to make it a little bit different. You know, I would be all for that. Um, that's my reboot. So nobody steal my idea. Copyright. Tessa Thompson. How about we have Ooh, Tessa yeah. Thompson do it? She's a great physical actor. Um, she could do all the stunts herself. She's funny. I think she was funny in Men in Black and International. I think she she anchored that movie. I didn't hate that movie like other people did. So mm. she's funny in Thor. I, I just I, more Tessa Thompson's always good. Anyway, always, always. There's your cast for you. Yeah. There we go. We're done. <laughs> We're done. Uh, oh, I wanted to talk about the auction now with all the. <laughs> With all the with all the twists and turns that this, <laughs> so so you might you might not know, but the the actor who plays the auctioneer in the UK is uh, I'm not sure the actor's name off the top of my head, but he plays uh, Fred Elliott in the Manchester based um, I guess soap opera you would call it uh, Coronation Street, and he plays this kind of very ex- eccentric butcher. And he's like, oh hello Ashley. Come down, I've got I've got some sausages for you. Ooh. You know, it's it's like really, you know, very over the top um, kind of 
performance, but he was in this and I was like, oh, it's Fred Elliott. Um, but I want to ask you, like, now, again, I've watched this twice to make sure I knew what was going on, the twists and turns. I want you to tell me what reason does that scene serve to the plot for Minerva, the Mayflowers? Like, in what way does that forward their plan for world domination? You know, how does that to, work? To blow up the auction house and to yeah. blow up the horse? Um, well, because they, the, the horses, they don't want anybody to know their plan. So their concern hmm. is that the Vatican organization okay. knows what's going on. That they, There's that, I think James Corbyn says, there's goddamn secret Vatican organization. Hmm. Um, the Minervas are aware of the Vatican organization. And so if the horse is blown up mm. and they were trying to kill her too, I think they're also trying to kill um, Anna and mm. Andy McDowell's character because yeah. she's the only one who can understand where the other pieces of the gold machine are. Right. So if they think it's a real horse and they've blown it up, which would mean the piece would be blown up, then people would think they, they would, no one would be on their trail anymore. Okay. F- fair enough. Why do the Minervas publicly turn up they they bid on the horse like we really want that horse look at us really trying to bid on this horse and why do all the candy bars turn up when they're gonna blow it up anyway i don't think the candy bars knew they were gonna blow it up i think the candy bars are not in on that i think again it's it's a diversionary tactic why would we blow up the auction house if we were there true true that is a that is a good i'm just filling in plot holes left and right you're good though you're good this is good though it's and my favorite, honestly, the best best part of that is when another time Bruce Willis suffers traumatic brain injury, he gets hit in the head with a giant horse. Another time, he gets knocked right in the face. Now, now it's it's a it's a Pegasus, it's a flying horse. Pegasus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite funny because this this film almost ban- bankrupted TriStar, whose logo yeah, TriStar movie, I know. <laughs> Whose logo is a horse? So, so after I the think film, that was intentional. Like, they, it was, I figured that's why the Pegasus was in there. Yeah, I just imagine that, like, after the film, like TriStar was like, we just want to hit Bruce Willis in the face after with all this. this with this massive horse. Like, just run him over the horse. Um, so, I, I like that imagery in that in that scene. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's another smash cut into. Uh, oh, yeah, we're somewhere else now. Oh, right he's now. in the ambulance. Yeah, with the Mario Brothers, and then uh, that's when he's. He's on the thing and he catches the cigarette. Oh, menthol. And all of that happens. And that's what she's like, mister, are you going to die? The, the fast-paced action and stuff. There's, I think there's a lot of time where they don't let the jokes land or they don't give them time to breathe. And there's another sure. joke. And there's another joke. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because if you miss one joke, you can always pick up another one. Like, it's like, like airplane or like, you know, they come in thick and fast and you, and you find the jokes maybe the next time you watch it. So I don't think that's a bad thing, but there's, I just, I think sometimes they just need a beat. Just like, that's a joke. You laugh. You're laughing, great. Move on, like just just a beat, just to kind of. And there's a there's a lot of those moments I found. Like, I'm like, oh wait, that, oh that was a, that was that was a joke, right? Sorry, yeah, just didn't. Um, <laughs> I re- <laughs> there's a lot of moments of this. There's a lot of those. Sure. There's a lot yeah. of those. But but oh, are, that's what's happening. Yeah. Oh. oh right, that's that's what's happening. Oh, that was a joke, right? That's not. Oh wait, is that di- is that dialogue important? No, that's another joke. Is that is that important to the plot no that's just a throwaway line okay Egenuk with Egenuk. a good payoff yeah true yeah because they get the you know Egenuk, and then they say Egenuk as they die they yeah, get yeah. shot mm-hmm. which yeah that was funny again but it's like again that's like the mad violence just comes out of nowhere it's just like mad violence all of a sudden you know um bloody hell they keep talking about like excuse my bride british humor you know they keep mentioning that they're british all the time i'm like i know 
I know. We can hear you. You're Richard <laughs> we, Grant. We know yes, who you are. You're Richard E. Yeah. Grant. You're Richard E. Grant, and you've got an English accent. I know you're English. Like, uh, you know, and they're all, uh, that's the thing about American films is, is that they're like, obviously with American, America is so vast and so many different accents, but whenever, whenever someone English is on, it's always like bloody. Oh, it's, it's make always sure you know. It's always Austin Powers, or maybe if we're lucky, they sound like one of the Beatles. Um, but it's usually just like because I, I, I'm a north, I'm a northerner, so I, I sound, you know, I sound north. So I'll like Game of Thrones was quite nice, quite nice to hear, like you know, northern accents, like the Yorkshire accent, and people from the northwest and Lancashire and stuff. Um, but the rest of the time, it's like, hello there, how are you doing? Oh, I'm from England, I is, I is, I am, I am. You know, it's always like that. And I'm just like, and I always think the directors are like, you're not quite English enough. Can you just, you know, just make yourself a little bit more English? You know, Bring it up to a thousand. Yeah. Class, classically English. trained English actors. And I'm just like, I'm just like, they're English enough. You can hear them in English. Just, just, just tell them to shut Let them talk. Let them talk. Let them talk in their own accent. Don't make them become a parody of, of what England is. But yeah, it's very, it becomes very Austin Powers after a while. Oh, one of the jokes I really didn't like. If, if it's even a joke, is the ruins the bit about the ruins? Oh, why does they leave all the shit laying around in the yard? Yeah, they call yeah. it. They call Didn't it ruins. They could have cut that one. Yeah, I was like, I was like, and I'd like it. All, it looks like an in joke with with Danny Aiello and Bruce. It like, does. And I'm like, but I'm not in again. I'm not in on the joke. It's not. It's an in joke for you guys. Yeah, probably- I agree. Yeah, I think that's where the editor could be like, yeah, this that scene could have ended forty sec- four seconds sooner, and it would have been the same scene. I would have preferred a smash cut then. Just smash cut there into the next scene. Get to up. whatever the next thing is. Whatever yeah. it is. Whatever it is. Just smash cut yeah. to that. This movie did not win any editing awards. <laughs> <laughs> or screenwriting awards. Um, oh, I was going to say that this won the the Golden, the Razzie. This won the worst did film it? for 1991. And one for screenwriting and one for something else. I can't remember. But yeah, the Golden Raspberry is what it got. Probably didn't deserve it, I think. I'll be honest. I don't think it's quite that bad. Uh, there are worse. I'm sure there's worse films from 1991, and I might do. Oh, some, without a doubt, yeah. I might. I might do some research and go. Yeah, that that one should have. Should that have, was definitely worth. That yeah. should have won the Raspberry Award, uh, the Razzie. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I did. I did read up. I did. Um, you know, like the, you brought the coffee thing. I, I, it reminded me of Civil War, like when Bucky goes out to the market and he's trying to buy some plums, and that's all he ever wanted from that film was the plums. <laughs> they just given him plums. It's a whole different story. It's like now nowadays they're like after Falcon and Winter Soldier, like have all the plums you want. <laughs> You're not an assassin. I still haven't seen that, so don't oh, uh, don't ruin. No, I've yeah, not ruined it. I'm not ruined it. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't. A, to be fair, he's not an assassin at the start of the film, the start of the series, and he's not an assassin. Right. And it's not really a spoiler, but um, but yeah. I do I do recommend. It. I had a lot of fun with that series. Oh, I will, I will definitely get there for sure. Again, not necessarily perfect. You know, um, I could have done with all the without a lot of the the, the main villains in it aren't very good. I don't think all the mm. side all the side characters are great though. <laughs> oh, uh, in an interview in an interview, Bruce Willis they they asked him while he was promoting uh, Twelve Monkeys. Oh, I heard this one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I just. <laughs> agree though i think he's wrong <laughs> he said he if they could try they go what would you do if you could time travel anyway he said i'd try and travel before i made this movie <laughs> i disagree uh, I, we wouldn't be talking about it. First of all, that's Good. most important. No, yes. I disagree with him. I feel like that's the thing to say. Um, I've heard Bradley Cooper say that about uh, the 18, hmm. um, that he regrets making the 18, but I disagree. It's just because it didn't do well. Their, that 18 movie with him and, and, uh, uh, Charlotte Copley is Murdoch and everything. That's a, that's bang on. That again is like giving the A team a big hug. 
And people were like, oh, we didn't want a big screen version of the A-Team. We mm. didn't want that. So it's because the A-Team is over the top and silly and absurdist. That's mm. the point of the A-Team. So Bradley, I've heard Bradley Cooper say he wishes he could undo that. And I disagree. Yeah. I think that movie is fantastic too. I would defend the shit out of that one as well. So. There you go. That, that's maybe a future episode for you. Yeah. Um, so this was, apparently this was kind of, um, it was kind of an homage to the the Crosby, Hope, um, Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, on the road movies, so the road to right with the golf clubs, yeah, yeah, and that sort of thing. So it was kind of like, and and there's been kind of several of those attempts to bring it back as well, like prior to this movie. So you had like Spies Like Us um, mm-hmm. and, and Ishtar. Uh, those were two- I also liked. Yeah. I liked I liked Ishtar better than Spies Like Us. Yeah, well, um, well, those were both. So I think Spies Like Us did all right box office wise, but I think critically again. It was panned, so maybe maybe we should stop trying to recapture that particular franchise right. from from what seventy years ago, uh, yeah. 60, 70 years ago. But this one, because of Bing Crosby song, and then they sing side by side. Yeah, so it's yeah. clearly that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. Um, but yeah, originally Grant devoted an entire chapter of the book uh, with nails, the film diaries of Richard E. Grant, to covering this film and all the stuff that went on. A whole chapter. I need to read that. Yeah, it's called With Nails, two words, With Nails. Um, 1996 it was released. So speaking, speaking of which, I've got a few more Richard E. Grant quotes about the film. He said, um, I sat with Andy McDowell and our agents when we were encouraged to go and see a screening of Hudson Hawk before its premiere. Uh, this is what Grant told The Observer. And Andy and I looked at each other simultaneously and said, we'll never work again. Not true for either of them. Yeah, absolutely right. No, so so again, they clearly had some uh, problems on set. I didn't enjoy the the. Was it like a it was something like a six month shoot? I think apparently something like that. That's too long. Yeah, far too long. So no wonder he he added as well with the best intentions. I think it's like internet dating or any dating. You go into it, <laughs> you go into it something hoping you're going to fall in love and it's all going to work out, and then of course it's a living nightmare. <laughs> Uh, right. It's nice. It's right. fair. I mean, he was there. I wasn't. So all I get yeah. is the joy of the finished product. So six months is too long for this movie. I think this I think, is like yeah. a, this feels like. So we at the Comics Motion Network are putting together our own crappy action movie, like in retaliation to the fact that every actor is making comic books, and then other actors are in comic book movies, and then actors are making podcasts. Hmm. We make podcasts about comic books. Yeah. So we're making our own bad 70s action movie, like all of us filming our scenes separately. And then Chris is going to edit them together. So um, what I'm saying is like, we know going in, like that we're making a bad, horrible movie. And that whole thing is going to take about 15 minutes to make. Right. And then Chris will take like a month to edit it. That's what this movie needed about 15 minutes to shoot, just shoot it in real time. It's a 90 minute movie. We're just going to shoot it one time, like Ed Wood, one take. Yeah. Six months is too long. <laughs> Oh, but again, again, I can't really find details about the problem. So I think I might read that book as well and kind of see. Yeah, I he, think I'm, I'm going to definitely get that. Just read that says. chapter for sure. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I like him in general. I like Richard yeah. Grant. And, and, you know, he's in a lot of great stuff, and he's like you said, he's always good. I've got, I've got one final quote. I've got, a, I've got okay. a, this. This is my favorite one, I think. So, so uh, Mark Kermode, who's like a English kind of uh, film reviewer, quite famous over here for reviewing films and stuff. He met Rich D. Grant, and he told him that he was one of the few people that liked the film. <laughs> and Grant responded, "It was a stinking pile of steaming hot donkey droppings, and you are an idiot." Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, he's you know he's a, a, a very established you know big name 
you know, reviewer. So like he's known pretty much all over the, the UK for, he kind of supports a lot of cult films and, and, mm. and stuff like that. So I, I've got an interest of always kind of listening to what he sure. has to say. And he's, you know, he's, you know, for the most part, I kind of respect his kind of choices and in, in films and stuff, but yeah, it was quite, yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, I get it. He was there. And I still think that you, I'm sure there's just something about that. Like he was there, mm. um, you know, it, it's a different experience when you live it. Of course. Yeah. Um, than, than what the end result is. And so, um, I, I know everybody associated with it pretty much doesn't like it. I mean, but I, I, I love yeah. it. Well, I, I mean, I've I've been on some horrific acting jobs. Like I've been, you know, stuff stuff. Like I I abandoned a show because it was affecting my mental health. Wow, so bad. It was only a kind of a school's tour, but it got to a point where I was like, the people I was working with were horrific. Like it was kind of like you know. Um, yeah, like like really lower end kind of mental health stuff, stuff that I've like, I can't believe I just thought that. I need to leave now. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. It, it was quite a bad situation. I won't go into it. It's just, it's, yeah, it was uh, not a good time. That was kind of one, a very low point for me. I didn't, I almost didn't pick up acting again. Um, I didn't do it for a good six months or eight, seven or eight months because it was just a bad experience. But there's, mm. there's what, to be honest, always makes for a good story. I, 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 you know, as, as bad as a situation is when I'm there and when I'm experiencing it, I'm like, fuck, this is horrible. You know, through rose tinted glasses, you're like, yeah, they were okay. Or that wasn't too bad. Um, but it always makes for a good anecdote, you know? Sure. A lot of, a lot of my life I've been severely unlucky, but they always make for great stories. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's always good. I think we're coming very close to the end. So I just want to, I think, I think you have done a a stellar job defending. Thank you. Um, I think, I think every point you've raised has been good. And I think a lot of people will be with you. According to the comments, uh, a lot of people do enjoy. Oh, I can't wait to hear. I know Andy hates it. So we already know. Yes. Well, that he's his is the first comment, so I'll I'll get him okay. I'll get him out of the way. Um, so I asked I asked um, I asked uh, Twitterverse and all the other social medias. And I said, "Do you think this film should be swinging on a star or swinging on a noose?" Um, and good, he, good choices, yeah. And he said, "A noose, more like." And then he's used a gif from the film Aliens, and it says, "I say we take off from <laughs> we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit." So yeah, that's that's his that's his. Very, very, very strong feelings. But what else can you get from Andy except strong? Right. Well, and that's okay. And you know, anytime you get a chance to see Alan Ripley be badass, even in a GIF, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I, and I responded with, you know, a, a GIF from the film. You know, it's the only way to be sure. That's right. It's the only way to be sure. Uh, uh, Jack's responded. So I am Jack's musings. So that was sorry. That was uh, Angry Andy at Angry underscore Reviews on Twitter, and his videos are good. Go watch his stuff on YouTube. Angry Andy Reviews, brilliant, brilliant guest on here lots of times. Uh, so I am Jack's musings at I am Jack's musings. Uh, he said, "Great poster, great movie." I think we've discussed that uh, ourselves on our our private Twitter chat. Um, yes. And then Andy responded to that comment with Captain Picard fainting. That's right. Because he, <laughs> yeah, he, he may not be friends much longer. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. A uh, lot of divisiveness. Um, but yes, I, I remember you posted your four your four um, underrated movies on Twitter. Yeah, and, this is on there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 20th Century, I've stolen this comment. It wasn't on the direct comment. Oh, feed, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stealing it. I'm stealing it's Scott again from uh, at yeah. uh, 20th Century Geek, uh, the 20th Century Geek pod. He said, Hudson Hawk is such a good movie. So yes, that is He's that right. is his feelings. Um, oh yeah, here's Dennis. So Dennis has, has a, at least a paragraph, okay? 
Okay. Hudson Hawk is great, crazy, and entertaining, as it, and is in my top five Bruce movies. So Bruce Willis movies. What other movie would you get? Cat burglars, nuns, a butler with knives action, a dog being catapulted from a window, uh, decapitation one-liners, people being covered in hot lead, Da Vinci, betrayal, more product placement than an Argos catalog, plus song and dance numbers, I rest my case. Thank you, Dennis. I agree. I, there you go. Boom. Boom. That, I didn't drop. even need to be on. You just could have had to, read that. That'd have been a quick show. No. Nope. Um, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, everything you said, it's just to me, it is, it, there's definitely problems. There's like two or three lines I would cut a mm. couple of sp- spots. I think you could just, it's already short. So, you know, just yeah. go from 94 minutes to 90. And I think, I think you've tightened it up to just where it needs to be. And again, um, I've, I've owned it on multi, I've owned a VHS and a DVD and I have a digital copy. It's, um, it's one of those things that just, I will defend until the end and I'm glad it exists. And you asked before, is it ahead of its time? This would be a huge hit today with some of those cuts. Hmm. Last Action Hero would be a huge hit today. Satire is often the reason, satire is not always, you know, of its, it's of its time, but it doesn't always get the recognition it deserves in its time. You know, in this country, they treat Gulliver's Travels like it's a children's story. Hmm. Which I'm like, did you read it? Like, what? Why? Why do you think that? I don't understand. It's a big adventure. Are you reading it? Do you understand? <laughs> so, but in its what is time, it you know, really about what is it right? really about? It's not really, yeah, right. And so, everything by Jonathan Swift, who I think you know is was one of the best satirists, and of course, my personal favorite satirist, Jane Austen. Hmm. They 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 are often like people think, ah, Jane Austen. I don't want to read a, a kissing book. You know, I'm like, well, yeah. But that's not what it is. You know, the only reason Jane Austen works is because it's in the time. It's living in the world that it's making fun of. And it's also, and that's what I think this movie does so well. It, it is an action film that makes fun of action films. It's making fun of the 70s cartoons and the silliness of it all. And it didn't work because it took itself, people think it took itself seriously. But there's nothing in here that I feel like anybody took seriously. <laughs> Um, I, I'm I'm really shocked that we've gone from Hudson Hawk to Jane Austen. Like that's that. What a journey! What a journey! Yeah. <laughs> Some of my favorite things, right there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, excellent. I actually there was one thing I wanted to mention. Um, Frank Welker of Scooby Doo and uh, Transformers fame. The, yeah, he does. He's Bunny the dog. Bunny the dog and <laughs> bubble, bubble. <laughs> Just fantastic, fantastic dog. Like he, he does great dogs. Like that, he's a. Uh, he does he's great a, dogs. What are you going to do? He's yeah, a fantastic. I mean, that, he's in this film. He's uh, he got you rented it, so he got some residual. I oh. own it, so that's different. You, yeah. you rented it. Think about Frank helping the Welker Welker clan. Wow, that that's nice. And Bruce. There Willis. you go. Yeah. And all the while giving a scathing review of it. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. No, I, I genuinely don't think it's, it's as bad as people make out, but I also don't think it's good enough to be good. But I think, again, I think everyone will agree with me that I think you've defended it excellently and very competently. Um, and I think this this might be this might be your type of format for the show, like for future episodes. This might be your you, Yeah, I mean, I know I'm happy to do it. Um, yeah. I know we talked about maybe me coming back to talk some Grey Hulk or some West Coast Avengers, but I'm happy to come on and defend crap because when I love some, listen, I get it. I understand the things that I like are the things that I like. And uh, I dislike things that 
uh, that people love. Um, and I'm happy to come on and do that. So I'm, I'm, I, I have too. more fun defending the things I hate than shitting on things that everyone else yeah. loves. It's, more, I'm, it's I'm, more fun to do it this way. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm the same. Like, you know, I don't, I don't go into these films and I don't go, I'm going to hate this. I always go in with an open mind, you know, you know, there was stuff, there was stuff in the Ewoks movies I liked, even though they are horrific. Um, oh. and, and there was still a winner of that you know, clone balls. I had to be a winner. So I, I picked the yeah. best one because I had to find the good thing. And that's what I quite like about that as well. And and, and in this as well, I get, have to, you know, sometimes I have to dig a little deeper or, or or find what, you know, and I don't necessarily agree, but it's great not to agree sometimes. It's great to have a, a different opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did enjoy, I'm glad I watched it though. It wasn't, it wasn't so much like, oh God, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, again, not as much fun with, you know, this, the films I like that are linked to my childhood, which, you know, you would go what is that piece yeah. of trash i'm sure um <laughs> but yeah but don't we all yeah but uh, i'm okay. de- i'm definitely not not on the andy not so far on the andy spectrum i'm not so far on your spectrum so i'm somewhere kind of in the middle i think um i'll take it i'll take it as a win you don't want to burn it in effigy so that's all absolutely that not no 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 i think there's there's definitely things to take away yeah you've got the hat you've got the hat Mm. Um, so, so uh, before before we go, um, I just wanted to promote your show uh, on the comic uh, comic emotion um, family as part of that podcast yes. channel. Um, you've got your indie spotlight, uh, which which I've been on the indie spotlight. Yes, uh, to do Scott Snyder severed. Yeah, yeah, severed. What a great book. Um, go Absolutely. and listen. Go and listen, and then go buy it. Get get Scott Snyder some residuals. Um, if that's how it works, I hope. Um, and uh, and then also we I was on the um, season's greetings with you and Jack talk about Buffy, which is great. These are I've got the links in my on my website as well. So if anybody wants to go on the website spiderdownandsecretballs.com, uh, you can find them on there. Um, I've, it's under guest spots, I think I've put it under. So definitely check those out. Some really good episode and check all of Jack's stuff out. All of the comics emotion stuff. It's all really good good shit. Quality, quality shit. Yeah, you've been on Max's show as well. I have been on Max's show, yes. So who knows? I might be on the other ones before before yeah, the I, well I'm sure Jack Jack's got the never show, so I'm sure he'll try to rope you. Yeah, Ooh, yeah I'll, I'll give that a go. I'm up for that. I'm, I'll give yeah, that a try. Send him a mess. Mac, Max or uh, Jack. Maybe Dan Spider Dan will be reaching out to you and you guys maybe. can do the never. Mm, I'll so, do it for sure. I'm up for anything because I, I love I love this sort of stuff. I love podcasting. I love being a guest on other shows as well. So so if anybody wants me, I'm free. I'm available. What do you want to talk about? Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. What? Let's collab. Let's collab. Um, So uh, where can everyone reach you on the social? Sure. I am on Twitter at Tricycle Boombox. And uh, if you're like, I hate Twitter and that name is stupid, um, that's fine. Uh, You can just go to my website, which is just my initials, A-R and then Farina, my last name, dot com. And you can send me a message there and link to a short story I've got published there and some other comics motion podcasts. And hopefully... When the uh, the Sequart book, the Judging mm. Red book comes out, yeah. I have an essay in that, so we'll link to that there. And when that comes out, you should all buy that. And I write at DC Comics News and Fantastic Universes, so I'm just around. Yeah, you you can you're everywhere. You're everywhere. I'm on. The, I I may become the master of all media. You certainly have. Uh, and that's my timer going off to say this is the end. But before we go, I'm going to steal a page out of your playbook because you always Thank play you. play people out on your shows with a song. So a full song, you always play them out. So I'd like you to choose and introduce the song that we're going to be going out to. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Dan. This has been a joy. And unfortunately, I yes, that timer was for me, everybody. I have to go. Um, but of course, we're going to end the only way we can, which is not 
as long as they say in the movie. It's about two minutes and 17 seconds. The Bing Crosby classic. Swing it out of stone. Would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears, kicks up at anything he hears. His back is brawny, but his brain is weak. He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak. And by the way, if you hate to go to school, you may grow up to be a mule. Or would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a pig? A pig is an animal with dirt on his face. His shoes are a terrible disgrace. He has no manners when he eats his food. He's fat and lazy and extremely rude. But if you don't care a feather or a fig, you may grow up to be a pig. Or would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a fish? A fish won't do anything but swim in a brook. He can't write his name or read a book. To fool the people is his only thought. And though he's slippery, he still gets caught. But then if that sort of life is what you wish, you may grow up to be a fish. New kind of jumped up slippery fish And all the monkeys are in the zoo Every day you meet quite a few So you see it's all up to you You can be better than you are You could be swinging on a star 